On today's show, the latest Houston Rockets trade reports and rumors searching for a backup big man wanting to get a quote-unquote starting caliber upgrade to the roster and a couple names to be on the lookout for. Clint Capella with the Atlanta Hawks and Harrison Barnes with the Sacramento Kings. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. Oh! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer and making the show part of your day every single day. Joining us now is none other than your weekly co-host, the pod father himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben DuBose. You can track down on Twitter at Ben DuBose. And Ben, it's that wonderful time of the NBA season. We are almost exactly a month removed from the NBA trade deadline. So all the rumors, all the news, everything's circulating. It's all starting to heat up a little bit right now. And there are a handful of rumors out there concerning the Houston Rockets and some of their goals heading into this NBA trade deadline. So I think the biggest one and one of the more consistent themes that we've seen across a variety of different, you know, reporting from different outlets has been the Rockets desire to find a backup big man. That that seems like a very common theme across multiple different reporters, multiple different outlets. And there's a few names, you know, that we can kind of unpack and go from here. But the biggest one that stands out and a guy that Rockets fans should be pretty familiar with is actually Clint Capella, a name that has been brought up on this show a couple times as a potential target for the Rockets. How would you feel about a Rockets-Clint Capella reunion? Yeah, I would definitely be in favor. And we should note that the backup center push, it goes back to last offseason. This is not just a temporary band-aid. This is something that organizationally they've wanted for some time. We know they went after Brooke Lopez, and they were hopeful coming off a strong playoff run that Jock Landale could provide at least some of those defensive characteristics, uh, contrasting styles to Alper and Shingun. For various reasons, it just has not happened. So, with Brooke Lopez not working out and Jack Landale, well, the signing worked out, but the on-court value has not, then it's sort of back to the drawing board as the Rockets try and fill a role that that really they've had internally, I think, projected as one for quite some time, just for various reasons they haven't been able to fill it. Capella, I don't know how much of a lob threat he still is. He's not quite lob the threat. athlete that he was back in the day, but he's a very good rebounder. He is at least a rim protector defensively. Um, it's not that he can't dunk. He's just not the explosive guy that he was earlier in his career when he was very light in his first few seasons with the Rockets. But yeah, he's still a double-double big man. He's someone that they can 
at times perhaps play with Alper and Shingun, but I think the bigger plan would just be to sort of um, have a reliable backup and not have to put a 37-year-old Jeff Green, who's a power forward, as your backup center every night, because at some point that's going to take a toll. And I do think it's increasingly taken on one as the Rockets defense has slipped throughout this season. Now, the concern here, when you look at a guy like Clint Capella, who is currently a starter for the Atlanta Hawks, although they've got uh, Anyeka Okongwu, who's basically ready to take over the reins, you know, at, at any moment, if they can find a suitable deal for Clint Capella at this point. But Capella's getting paid $20 million this season. He gets he gets paid $22 million next season. That is a lot of cheddar cheese to commit to a backup big man who is, again, if you look up and down at the Rockets, you know, five spots on the floor. Shingun is their best player right now. So to pay 20 million plus to the backup for your best player on the roster seems like a hefty price tag at this point. And that's, that's kind of my only reservation It just in a vacuum. If you, Ignore the money, ignore whatever. I love the idea of Clint Capella. I love the idea of a stylistic difference because he does provide some things that Alper and Shingun either doesn't or can't um, just from a play style perspective. And you can throw them out there, have a different look for anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes a night. Different matchups might favor one guy versus the other guy. Gives the Rockets a lot of flexibility at that five spot. And it definitely upgrades them, you know, because they just don't have a suitable backup at this point for all the reasons that you already uh, laid out, uh, you know, a moment ago. So, is that too much to commit to, it just regardless of what it would cost to actually trade for Capella, but just to be tied up $20 million plus as your backup five man? Is that too much? I honestly don't think it's too much because as long as the Rockets don't acquire someone with money going beyond next season, it's not going to dramatically impact their long-term books. In terms of guys like Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green that are extension eligible this offseason, those deals would not kick in until after this coming season. So their books are generally set. And as things stand, you've already got close to $20 million in Victor Oladipo and Jock Landale that you're paying for almost zero production. So when you compare it to the $20 million that are being spent on Oladipo and Landale right now, I don't think that's too much to pay for Clint Capella. The only thing that would worry me is if it went two seasons from now to the point where a hypothetical Alperin Shingun extension might be kicking in. But I don't believe that's certainly not the case with Capella. And I don't think it's the case with most of their trade targets. So through that lens, look, you've already got nearly $20 million in salary that's not being used at all. So even if Capella is just for a 15 to 20 minutes per game backup role, that's honestly more than you're spending that money on right now. So I don't have a problem with it. And we should also note that of that money, more than half of it has already been paid off by the Rockets because by the trade deadline, the season will be over halfway completed. So in terms of the raw payments from a team like Atlanta, that could be a pretty big incentive for them to do a deal because as far as this year's salaries, they're more than half paid off by the Rockets. And next year, the Rockets would be on the hook for Capella's salary entirely, while the Hawks would be off of it altogether. And they already have a replacement internally as is. So that could be a pretty powerful incentive for a deal to get done. Now, my guess is the Rockets would have to include some sort of either draft compensation or player compensation, maybe a Jay Sean Tate type, who I'm sure we'll talk about at some point in this trade deadline preview episode. But I just see 
there's a lot of synergies for both teams that could come together with a Capella to the Rockets move. And we know organizationally that that's a need that it's not like they're just overreacting to a recent slump in January. This is something that the Rockets have prioritized internally for some time. And, you know, I do wonder, too, there was a lot of speculation about what the team would actually ultimately look like if they had uh, signed Brooke Lopez, like as they as they intended to this past offseason, you know, whether that meant Shingun coming off the bench or would those two guys be able to share some minutes on the floor with one another because of their respective skill sets. I do wonder if there's a world where Ime Odoka would actually try and play around with the idea of running, you know, Clint Capella and Alper and Shingun at the same time on the floor with one another. We know that back when he was in Boston, he ran with the double big lineup of Rob Williams and Al Horford at times. Now, Al Horford's a bit of a better shooter than Alper and Shingun is currently at this stage in his career. So that limits things a little bit when you've got two non-shooters on the floor or hypothetically two non-shooters on the floor in Clint Capella and Alper and Shingun. But when you've got one guy who can pass the ball as well as Alper and Shingun can and a guy who who can play at least gives you some vertical spacing, maybe not as much as he used to, but uh, in a guy like Clint Capella, I think there's maybe some optionality there in the way that you could maybe run those two guys together to get some extra size out there, against some bigger opponents, that kind of thing. Matchup dependent, but there's there's some interesting possibilities there if the Rockets decide to pursue Clint Capella. And like you said, it would be interesting to see what it would cost them. Would it be you know a couple second round draft picks? Maybe they want a player back and Jay Sean Tate. I don't know what the Hawks are going to do, though, because there's rumors about them wanting to trade DeJounte Murray, right? And now suddenly there's, you know, speculation on is Trey Young happy in Atlanta? So maybe the Hawks are getting to a place where they might just have to blow everything up and hit a quick reset button. Uh, so maybe they don't want back a guy like Jay Shantate, who's more of a kind of win now piece. And, you know, maybe they'd rather prefer the... Uh, the draft compensation going forward. But there are a few other big men that have been rumored uh, to have some interest potentially from the Houston Rockets. Uh, we're going to talk about those guys coming up here in just a moment, as well as some of the other uh, speculation and rumors swirling about this team, some of the moves that we might see this organization make ahead of the trade deadline. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guarantee Fit only available to U.S. customers. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, a couple of the other names to be on the lookout for as in regards to the Houston Rockets and their pursuit of a backup a big man. Another name that's been brought up a lot this season is uh, Daniel Gafford with the Washington Wizards. Uh, and then also Nick Richards uh, with the uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. And both of those names are actually suggested by Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report. Now, Daniel Gafford was a name that I've looked at personally earlier this season and thought that he could be a suitable backup big man kind of replacement option or, or not even really a replacement option since the Rockets don't have one. But how did you feel about either of those two as potential additions to the team, Ben? Yeah, I'd be in favor. Honestly, the backup center spot beyond it being 
an obvious hole since the start of this season and it being clear that Jock Landell is no longer the guy he was in the playoffs a year ago. It's also the most the most clear path to improvement relative to where they've struggled of late. When you look at their January metrics, look, they've been around 20th in net rating on offense all season long, and I believe that's where they are this month as well. What's happened is that a defense that's been top 10 all year and was as high as number two overall is now about 19th or 20th in January. So the fall off has been on the defensive side of the floor. And sure, you'd like to get Tari Eason back. You just got Dylan Brooks back. That should help some. They've also had some bad shot luck with a lot of opponents lately making all sorts of threes. But the biggest way to sort of get back to where they were defensively is to add size. And while Capella is a familiar name because he's been here before and we're connecting dots and financially, there could be a lot of incentive for Atlanta to look to the Rockets, especially if Atlanta's not going anywhere anyway way, then those financial savings could be more of an incentive to them. At the same time, if you can get a better deal value-wise somewhere else, I'm open to that because, yeah, more size is the clear, I would say, easiest pathway for them to get back defensively to the level they were at earlier. And honestly, if the Rockets are going to make a play-in push this year, that's what they need to do because the offensive end of the court, they've been below average all year. Sure, there have been flashes, but at the end of the day, to fix the offense to an average or above average level, that's probably going to require, you know, a breakout for one of from one of your young stars or some sort of external trade acquisition that's just unlikely to occur at that magnitude this season. The most plausible route for the Rockets to get back in the top 10 and really have a chance to get to the play-in tournament and beyond is to get their defense back to the level it was at top five, top 10 in the league for most of the first two plus months of the season. And when you look at the roster leading up to the trade deadline, what's the clear hole that you can get better at defensively? Add more size, add more rebounding, add some rim protection. Even if it's only 15 to 20 minutes per game, that 15 to 20 minutes per game can make all the difference when you look at how thin a lot of these margins have been the last two games excluded. Yeah, and I, I think between those two names specifically, like I think Capella is like the familiar name, right? And he's also the experienced piece. He'd be mm-hmm. kind of like another veteran addition to this team. Uh, he's been there, done that. He's played at a very high level throughout his career. So I think he would be probably the best acquisition you get. But when you're talking about like the best acquisition that you might be able to make or get for like value wise, right, is at, at twenty at a twenty million dollar price tag. That's a little steep when sure. you might only need ten to fifteen minutes out of whoever you get for that backup center position. I really like Nick Richards because he provides a little bit more size and some physicality. I think out of that position, Gafford is great, but Gafford's also he's about the same size as Alper and Shingun, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, and I've been a, a firm proponent for a very long time of getting like the Rockets just need a big bruising guy. They just need like a lumbering seven footer that can go out there and be a big body and get some rebounds and play some hard-nosed defense against some of the opposing other bigs in the NBA to give you a bit of a stylistic difference from what Alper and Shingun provides. We know that they can go small. We know that they can run Jeff Green at the five or Jabari Smith Jr. at the five. That's awesome. That's one stylistic change for Alper and Shingun, but they need one to go the other direction when they need like some bigger, beefier bodies where you can throw out a big seven-foot-tall guy He's got six fouls to use. Go out there, rebound, use your fouls, and let Jabari and Tari run next to him, and you just got like a super, super-sized lineup to help with the defense, to help with the rebounding, that kind of thing. So I think between those two names, I'd lean Nick Richards a little bit more than than Daniel Gafford, and he's only making $5 million this season, so that's an easy enough you know price tag to be able to hit. Uh, we've mentioned yeah. Jock Landale and Victor Oladipo a lot as trade pieces. It, it's worth... 
uh, at least revisiting the reason that those two guys make a lot of sense as trade pieces is they are both effectively, well, Victor Oladipo is an expiring contract. Jock Landale, the way that his contract is structured is it's basically an expiring contract every single year because it's four years, but all the remaining three years of his contract are non-guaranteed. So after this season, whichever team is in control of that contract can just get rid of him. So it's an effectively $8 million expiring deal. Another guy who's effectively an expiring contract is also Jay Sean Tate. So that's another guy that you could, you know, have in that kind of seven, $8 million price tag range of, you know, 86ing him, bringing in another piece. Now I don't think it would make sense for the Rockets to trade Jay Sean Tate for a Nick Richards type, but Tate is a guy that could very well be on the move here, this deadline and not because he's not still like, again, I feel like there's a very small section of Rockets fans, myself included in that bunch that believe and are, you know, are bought into what Jay Sean Tate can provide to a winning basketball organization. That said, this Rockets team is about to hit a very significant minutes crunch. Once Tari Eason is back and a part of the lineup regularly, Cam Whitmore has been showcasing his talents pretty consistently and is, you know, gaining more and more trust day by day from Ime Udoka. There's only so many wing minutes to go around for this Rockets roster. And unfortunately for Jay Sean Tate, his skill set is not super complimentary of the Rockets' best player in Alper and Shingoon because they're both non-shooters. So it's hard for them to share the floor at the same time. And then his skill set also doesn't complement the number four overall draft pick that they just made in Amin Thompson. So it's really hard for Tate to find, I guess, minutes in a lineup that he's not inhibiting one of the other key pieces, either, you know, Amin Thompson's development or Alper and Shingun and just his overall level of play for this team going forward, unfortunately. Yeah, I largely agree. And to sort of bridge this conversation and where things were with the center talk and where things may go with Tate and any other acquisitions they might make at other positions, all of this is interconnected. And so if you go after a Richards type that's at a much lower financial price point than Capella, it's not so much about the money that it costs Tillman Fertitta or the place on the Rocket salary books because they're probably going to operate an above at an above the cap level this offseason no matter what. But it all is interconnected in that if you don't have to use all of your potential expirings for a Clint Capella, then and you fill the backup center role without using all those resources, then theoretically you can use one or more of those expiring resources in a deal to upgrade something else on your team. For example, the Jay Sean Tate spot and or the Aaron Holiday spot. So you can add the backup center and if it's at a lower price point to where you're not using all of your expirings to meet Capella's tag, which is in the low 20s, you would have to include almost certainly both Oladipo and Landale, then that would sort of tie your hands a little bit as far as what else you could do at this deadline, as opposed to if it's a Nick Richards type, then the salary is low enough that you could potentially take a bigger swing somewhere else on the roster. So that's why it's not just about comparing these players one-on-one and what they bring. It's also about, well, if I bring in Capella, this is what I'm limited at potentially doing somewhere else, as opposed to, well, if I invest a little bit lower at center, then I might can use one of those expirings somewhere else to fortify something else in this rotation. I think that's an important consideration to keep in mind as you look at sort of, um, putting all these puzzle pieces together. Talking about making a bigger swing potentially elsewhere on the roster, there are some reports indicating that the Rockets would like to make a quote-unquote starting caliber upgrade to the roster. And there's a very interesting name that could be a starting caliber upgrade to this Rockets roster, Harrison Barnes with the Sacramento Kings. We're going to talk about that coming up in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Look, around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right in our lives. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme New Year's resolutions and make changes that really stick. I've done therapy in the past, and it was an extremely helpful process for me to process some of the things going on in my life. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel because right now NFL postseason is underway and there is no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, and all you have to do is wager $5. It's that simple. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live, same game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a good one. This postseason FanDuel official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, kind of two reports that we're going to kind of attach together here because I think they kind of uh, coincide with one another a little bit. We had uh, Mike Scotto with USA Today reporting that the Rockets were looking to kind of package potentially the expiring contracts of Victor Oladipo and Jock Landio for a quote-unquote starting caliber upgrade to the roster. And that's a little bit about what we've been talking about doing here. Although, you know, with the Clint Capella piece, that'd be more of a back up upgrade, although Clint Capella is a starting caliber center, so that kind of matches a little bit there, but the idea being, right, you put together the salaries of Victor Oladipo and Jock Landell, they get you to about the $20 million range. That's usually the range that you would be paying a starting caliber type player, and that could conceivably be a starting caliber upgrade for this Rockets roster. Now, the second report here is the one that gets really interesting from Mark Stein. He, uh, he highlighted that the Rockets are known to be in the market for additional size in support of rising star Alperin Shingun and possess two trade-friendly contracts, and he highlights Victor Oladipo and Jock Landale's deals. Uh, league sources say that the Rockets also have a level of interest in Sacramento's Harrison Barnes in their quest to add shooting. That is a really interesting name for a lot of reasons. One, because I think... Hey, why would Sacramento trade Harrison Barnes? That's kind right. of a quite like is Sacramento under a huge like salary crunch at this point to where they would need to make that decision? That's something I gotta I gotta. Pull or is up. it a three team scenario where if Houston's assets could then go to a third team, could that get Sacramento the win now piece they want? Because maybe, I highly maybe, doubt Chase Shantae is good enough. Yeah, maybe like a Pascal Siakam or a I don't know who you know maybe maybe they want to be in the Laurie Markkinen sweepstakes or something. Like there's yeah. uh, there's some possibilities here as to yeah. why the Kings would would benefit from moving on from Harrison Barnes, who at this point has been a really integral piece of their success during this. Yeah, you know, the he's Mike a very Brown big era. He's a very big three and D guy. And unless the injury to Tari Eason is far worse than we know, it's hard to look at bringing in a player as accomplished as Barnes and not think it would be something of a referendum on Jalen Green, who would almost certainly play less. Because if you throw Harrison Barnes into the forward mix, I think you would inherently be throwing Dylan Brooks into the backcourt mix, since you're obviously not going to dramatically reduce playing time for either Jabari Smith Jr. or Tari Eason. So if Dylan Brooks is playing more at the two, then it's not like Jalen would be out of your rotation, but I highly doubt he'd get the minutes that he's been getting with the team as 
it's been constructed since the start of the year. A lot of angles to that. The other consideration that I would throw out in regards to Harrison Barnes or any other, I would say, not star acquisition, but let's say starting level acquisition. That was what Mike Scotto tossed out in his report the other day. You could point to Malcolm Brogdon of the Blazers as someone that I think potentially makes sense for the Rockets better than Aaron Holiday provides three-point shooting. It's a spot they could upgrade and help them on a number of fronts. But the question is, to get one of those guys, would Houston stockpile of second-run picks? We know the Rockets would love for consolidation reasons to move off some of these three picks they have in 2024 because they're almost certainly not going to be able to roster all of those guys. And Jay Sean Tate is a guy that conceivably be moved as well, just because he's not a great fit with the way the team is currently constructed. And you laid out the reasons in the last segment, but is that enough to get a player like a Harrison Barnes or a Malcolm Brogdon? We can hope, but a lot of the reporting seems to indicate that guys like that would go for a first run pick. Now, maybe it could be a late first run pick. Maybe you can toss some protections on it, but the markets for those types of players are typically a little bit richer. And unless the Rockets can rope in a third team that values their players at a very high level, then ultimately it's going to come down to what the Rockets are willing to give up and whether they see one of these players as worth it. The one argument that I would throw out there, I'm becoming a little more open the more I think about it to potentially dealing the 2024 Brooklyn first. Now, I'm not saying you move it just to move it, but if you believe as much of the scouting that I've seen does that the 2024 draft is a relatively weak one and you are reluctant, which I think the Rockets are, to add in another young developmental piece. I think their focus is on developing the young core they have now and trying to supplement them when the, with the right veterans. Then even though we all love to pull up Tankathon and see that you know the Brooklyn pick, I think, is now at eighth in the order, if you don't have a plan to actually roster and develop whoever you draft with that slot, then all that's going to do is depreciate in value. And we've talked a lot over the months about the Stepien rule, which, of course, prohibits NBA teams from dealing consecutive future first-round picks, and the Rockets want to maintain their flexibility because they basically just have one first-rounder per year moving forward, either their own or one from Brooklyn. The obligations to OKC sort of alternate with when the Rockets get a pick from Brooklyn. And if you move the 2024, then what does it do to 2025? Honestly, if you move the 2024 at this year's deadline, it really doesn't do anything to your future because obviously the end-season trade deadline will have already passed. And then when it gets to this summer, all you got to do is wait for the draft. You can wait. If, even if there is a big name, you can just wait to finalize the deal until after the draft. And at that point, stepping rule doesn't apply to 2025 because that's the next draft. And then you have your 2031 first to include in deals. So because of all of that, you've just got to have some hard conversations right now about the 2024 first from Brooklyn and what is your plan for that. If you like the draft talent and if you see a path to you know drafting someone in the top 10 and potentially having them in your rotation, then fine. I'm okay with that. But if you either don't want another young player or you're just skeptical on the quality of this draft, period, then it may make sense to trade that for another win-now piece because at least the win-now piece, the value isn't going to go down. The liquidity of that would stay at a sort of baseline level as opposed to, you know, I, th- I just think it's very easy to say, well, let's just hold these picks. They look good. Well, it sounds good to have all these firsts, but then once you make the first, you need a plan to actually develop that player and get something out of them. Otherwise, they're just going to decrease in value. And so I think that's sort of the conversation the Rockets are going to have to have internally. Not saying they for sure should move that pick for a Harrison Barnes type. I'm just saying that 
I think hard conversations need to be had about what the plan is for that 2024 first. And if they don't really see a path internally to using that player or they're not that bullish on the prospects, then maybe it does make sense to sort of put some feelers out on the market to see what you could do from that with that pick, both from the standpoint of upgrading your team now and giving yourself an asset that at least you know isn't going to decline substantially in value in the years ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, at this point, the, the Rockets have their their quote-unquote young core of prospects that they're actively trying to develop right now. We're already seeing what, you know, the, the kind of... Uh, the trials and tribulations of trying to be a competitive basketball ball club while at the same time developing right. young talent, right? It's, it's difficult. There's not minutes. They're like, we were clamoring for Cam Whitmore minutes and it only happened after two rotation guys got injured. Right. Like that's, that's what it took. So I don't think this Rockets team is in a position, even if that Brooklyn Nets pick was going to be a top five pick this next year, they're just, they're at a point where they have the timeline or the, the clock has kind of already started ticking where it's like, okay, you're, you're done developing this young talent. You've got to develop the young talent that you have. And they're, they're actively putting those reps into guys like Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun, Jabari, Tari, their core six. Those are their guys. Those are the guys they're committed to. And at least in the conversations that I've had up to this point, it doesn't seem like the Rockets have any inclination of trading any of those young core six at this deadline. Right. That's that's at least the understanding that I have at this point. They're, they want to be aggressive with the assets that we've highlighted here. They want to be aggressive with Jock Landale, with Victor Oladipo, with those contracts, um, either individually and try to make upgrades you know, uh, in a variety of spots across the roster or potentially packaging them together and getting a starting caliber upgrade like, a again, a Harrison Barnes type. Um but this Rockets team, I mean, they the one thing that I don't want to see them do, Ben, is I don't want to see them cash in on the Brooklyn pick, even if it's the 2024 one, for what would be like a marginal upgrade. Like, I don't want to see it because, again, we, we made so much about these Brooklyn picks, right? For, for, for It feels like years now of, oh, man, these Brooklyn picks, like this, these are going to be the things that turn into a star one day. And it would feel so lackluster if... Even if you had to include like that 2024 Brooklyn pick to get a guy like Harrison Barnes, yes, he is an he is an upgrade. Yes, he is you know provides shooting, he provides defense, size, all these things that this team desperately needs. But that would feel like such a letdown, right? I mean, at this point, I mean, I mean, in the big picture, it would. But at the end of the day, if it's your best option, and I'm not saying that it is, sometimes you have to do a non-sexy move to just sort of move the ball forward organizationally. I'm not saying that's the case for the Rockets. I personally don't think that it is. Well, I do let agree me, with let you. Me raise, let me raise you this. Do you think, because the, the issue with that pick, right, is you're talking about either making the deal like here at the deadline before it depreciates in value, but you could also just make a draft night deal. Like you could hold on to the pick. Well, up sure, including sure the you draft could, night. but. Yeah, but I think you have an idea based on conversations up to the deadline, the types of guys that are likely to be available in June. So it's sort of, when I say canvas, the league and sort of have some hard discussions internally. It's both in terms of what your plan is with your roster as things currently stand and also what we think the landscape is going to look like in June. Because I, while there's probably going to be a few surprises, my guess is that the guys available in June, it's not too dissimilar from the guys available at the deadline. So even if some teams, you know, may be more likely to trade that guy in June after they get one more playoff run, so to speak, with that player, at the same time, you at least know who is likely to be a candidate. So it's one of those things, just have the conversations now. I would like to think you could do better than that. I'm just saying that if you really don't have a plan for what you're going to do with that pick, then I would look. And you should have some interest in that, because even if it's not a fit for the Rockets, given all the prospects they have as things currently stand, 
there's got to be a team out there that could value that more. Yeah, and I do I do think, you know, we, we talked about, you know, potentially looping in the Rockets or the Rockets facilitating as like a third team option for, for some of these teams. The 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 contracts of Jock Landale and Victor Oladipo could be uh, very appealing as a third team kind of candidate for the Rockets to maybe kind of grease the wheels with a trade. Maybe, you know, whoever winds up winning the Pascal Siakam sweepstakes or whatever needs a little bit of help as far as facilitating some of the, the money to make a deal like that work. The Rockets could get involved as a third team facilitator in that capacity, uh, a trade hypothetical that was actually floated my way earlier this season from our, our guy over at Locked on Suns, Brendan Clean, uh, suggested the idea of trading Jay Sean Tate to the Suns for three second round draft picks. Now that could be an interesting one because they could absorb Jay Sean T- Tate straight into a TPE that they have over there in Phoenix. And then that would give the Rockets that liquidity of three additional second round draft picks to then go pursue a guy like a Nick Richards or a Daniel Gafford or potentially a Clint Capella type. If you, if you need some draft capital to make one of those kinds of deals ultimately go through, I'm really intrigued by the Harrison Barnes one, because I do think if they were to trade for Harrison Barnes, I think he automatically has to go into the starting lineup. And then that brings about some very serious questions as to who would hit the bench in that case. Um, so I, another thing you have to consider with this, and I think with Harrison Barnes, in terms of the rotation, whether he starts or comes off the bench, you could largely find Harrison Barnes minutes from what is currently going to Jason Tate and Aaron Holiday. With that said, I do think with some of these marginal upgrades, as you phrased it earlier, you do have to be careful with regards to who they would be taking minutes from. And when you look at, say, the macro, the 30,000 foot view, The problem for this team is on offense. As said earlier, I think that with the right moves and the schedule evening out and a little bit better luck, they can get back to where they were as a top 10 defense. I don't think they're that far away and getting Tari Eason back would help a ton as well. The question is how they get to an average and eventually an above average offense. That is what is hanging over this franchise. It's been that way since the start of this season. And honestly, internally, your best candidates are a breakout from Jalen Green, although the hopes for that are fading. And then you look at guys like Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore and and perhaps Tari Eason as well. You may Udoka throughout the young Kawhi Leonard comp. So maybe Tari eventually turns into, if he can get back on the floor, one of those jumbo, jumbo playmaker types. But if it doesn't happen internally, then you know, you're probably going to be looking at a marquee trade acquisition down the line, probably later than even this offseason. But the point is, in terms of filling that hole internally, you want to make sure that you're not blocking minutes from one of those guys having the opportunity to develop. So that's another thing you got to be careful on in terms of not just who you bring in, but how many. You've got to think about who you're potentially taking minutes away from. And so even if it can marginally improve your team this season, if it's making it a little bit harder for you to develop the types of guys that would actually, in the big picture, address what is your biggest question, which is how you get that offense to a top 10 elite level, then it isn't worth worth it. In the case of Harrison Barnes, again, I think you could largely find the requisite minutes simply from Jay Sean Tate and Aaron Holiday. But if you're talking about doing a lot of moves, at some point you do have to think about, it's not just who you're bringing in, it's also who you're taking away minutes from. And if it's the types of high upside guys that you hope can be your internal solution, or even if they're not, then they can be trade ships down the line as long as they're passable to eventually fill that offensive hole then is it worth it? It's all interconnected. And so that's why, you know, it's hard for me to say the Rockets have to do anything because there's so many different factors to balance. The only thing I think they have to do at this trade deadline, I think you've got to move Oladipo if, and this is, I know I'm going to get blasted for the asset management folks, but you did surrender second round draft capital in the Kevin Porter Jr. trade to get Victor Oladipo here. So if you just let him roll off the books, that would be, 
disappointing if you traded away that capital just to save the owner a few bucks. At some point, even if Oladipo doesn't bring you, even if the deal isn't right at this time, worst case, you should be able to move Oladipo for a similar salary that runs through next offseason, maybe a player option at least. Just just kind of kick the can down the road Yeah, kick the can. At a bare minimum, you've got to do something with that Oladipo contract, unless you really think Oladipo is going to help this year's team, and I haven't heard any talk of that, then... I think as long as you do something, then uh, it, it should be viewed as a success because just letting Oladipo roll off the books and doing nothing, it, it would feel like, well, why didn't you do the Kevin Porter Jr. trade in the first place? Why yeah. didn't you just cut him? My 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 gut tells me that Victor Oladipo and Jock Landio will not be members of the Houston Rockets past Same. the trade deadline. Now, whether that's Same. being traded together for one player or being traded in a couple different trades to get some assets back, whatever, maybe some salary relief to certain teams. I think those two guys are, are almost as good as gone at this point. But yeah. Uh, I do want to know, everybody, All if you're listening to this episode, if you're watching on YouTube, I want to know your thoughts about all the different guys that we talked about. Uh, how would you feel about a Clint Capella reunion with the Houston Rockets? What do you think about a Harrison Barnes fit on this roster? Let us know in the YouTube comments. But Ben, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep. Ben Dubose on Twitter slash X, the Rockets Wire and the Logger Line on the same and RocketsWire.USHtoday.com for all your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Drop us your trade deadline thoughts in the comment section. What would you like to see the Houston Rockets accomplish ahead of this year's NBA trade deadline? Let us know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.